Amen. Dollars and cents, part two. Last week, as a quick recap, the big idea around money, what does the Bible really have to say? Last week, uh, you know, there's a thought money is evil or money is the root of all evil. We learned last week money isn't evil. It's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. So we need to first understand money isn't evil. Money is neutral. But it's the love of money which leads to all different kinds of evil. If you missed that message, uh, you can check it out online, themovement.church, and you can click on messages. Now today, we're going to ask this question. What does the scriptures, what does the Bible really have to say about debt? Everyone say debt. Debt. Man, debt sounds like debt, doesn't it? The word debt itself, it just feels not good, debt. What does the Bible really have to say about debt? And you may be wondering why we're going to spend a whole message talking about debt. Um, And this might be the burden. Why does this matter? Let's put up this chart. Um, American, average American debt. This is as of June 2018. Um, this is, oh shoot, the website is actually skipping my mind. We'll post it online later uh, that I got this from. But it, this isn't just like a, a random, this is, it, it, it seemed like as I was reading through it, a very well-researched uh, website uh, all the way up to June 2018. And, and even, you know what, even if these statistics may be off in some way or another, I don't know where they got these numbers, but when I looked at them, I could kind of relate to some. I'm not going to share with you which ones in particular. But I was like, that seems kind of accurate to me. Let's go through some of these types of debt in America. The average American has a mortgage loan balance remaining of 181,000. I know some of you who own homes in this area are like, I wish, I wish. Credit card debt totaling $15,000, the average American. Some of you feel a lot better about yourselves after seeing that number. Some of you feel worse. (laughs) Student loans, the average student loan debt. This one is probably more socially acceptable than some of these others. So those of you with student loan debt, why don't you just say a big amen? Amen, okay. Student loan debt of around 46950 and I just want to tell you, that was one of the numbers I could kind of relate to. And it's a shame because I didn't even finish college. Oh, man, that's whack. You're going to have that type of debt with nothing to show for it? Lord Jesus, help me. Auto loans of about twenty seven grand. With a total average debt of 134000 including your mortgage, you might say, well, that doesn't all add up. Well, not everyone has all of these. So the average debt of an average family in America is $134,000. So why is this important? Because I think it relates to all of us. And once again, if you don't have any debt and you're that One person that God's favor is just on in a unique way in this room, 
then, then you're going to have friends and family who have debt, and so it may be good for you to know how you can maybe help others or what the Bible has to say about it, and just stay humble, okay? Can I just say that for those of you who are in the room who don't have any debt? Like, don't brag about that. You know, that's not cool. Um, stay humble. Okay. Uh, it's just because I want to be you. That's all it is. Because I'll tell you this, when I'm out of debt, come on, somebody, there will be a day. When I'm out of debt, I'm going to be bragging about it. So uh, let's keep this thing rolling. Um, but with all of these numbers, what the Bible doesn't say, I just want to put it out here, having debt is sinful. The Bible doesn't say that. There is nowhere in the, the scriptures that the Bible says having debt is sinful, And so those of us who are in debt, a majority of us in the room, uh, praise God that that it's not sinful to have debt. It might be sinful how we accrued accrued the debt, how how we built the debt. There may be some sinful things that you and I did. Come on, just me? No, thank you, thank you. Gabby in the house. That's Gabby. For those of you who don't know Gabby, meet Gabby. There may be some sinful things we've done to, to accumulate. Oh, accumulate, that's the word. Accumulate the debt, but the debt itself, having debt, isn't sinful. So what does the Bible say? Here's the outline for the message today. I'm going to give you three truths, three truths really quickly. I don't want to spend too much time because really these truths could be found in a a how-to book at Barnes & Noble that has nothing that's uniquely Christian. I want to say that. These three truths aren't uniquely Christian. But we will close with the one gospel that is uniquely Christian uh, that is going to connect to this idea of debt. And so let's jump in to the first truth. Are you guys ready for this outline here? Three truths and one gospel. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. So, So the first truth... Uh, We're going to get from a couple passages. We're going to go through a few passages today. Many times we just talk about one big passage and bring out the big idea. But today we're going to talk about several passages. The first one is from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy was a history book, basically, of uh, the nation of Israel, how it came to be. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, the first kind of four books of the Bible speak of the history of the nation of Israel. And in Deuteronomy, God is laying out for his people uh, the way things are to be, the way things are to be in their community. And so this prescription isn't to us. I want to make that really clear. Just because something was prescribed to the nation of Israel, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's required for us. Are you with me? There are a lot of things that were prescribed to the nation of Israel that if we did those things today, uh, that'd be weird. It'd be weird. We'd get ourselves in trouble. We'd get thrown into jail. Okay, so just because something is prescribed to the nation of Israel doesn't mean it's uh, prescribed for us. But there is a transferable principle from this prescription that I believe applies to us. Is everyone with me so far? Yes or yes? Okay. So here is what was being outlined for the nation of Israel. For the Lord your God will bless you as he promised you, and you shall lend to many nations. 
Israel, you're going to be a lender, but you shall not borrow. And you shall rule over many nations, but they shall not rule over you. So there was this prescription to a nation that would not borrow, and that they would rule over many nations, but they shall not rule over you. It seems like there is a connection between those that lend and those that rule. It seems like there's a connection between those that borrow and those that are ruled. It seems like the lender is the ruler and the borrower is the one being ruled. You guys with me? That's what I think is a principle that we could pull out from this prescription to the nation of Israel. Now, in the book of uh, Proverbs, I believe, on the next slide, a book full of principles, a book full of wisdom for right living, this is said even more poignantly. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave of the lender. Now, I didn't even need to have a verse for you to know that this is true. Come on, somebody. You don't need a Bible verse for this. We could have just talked about how does having debt make you feel, right? I didn't even have to put up a verse. We could have just said, all right, for those of you in debt, let's all raise our hands, and we all raise our hands. What, how does that make you feel? And I would tell you this, it makes me feel horrible. It makes me feel like uh, a certain percent of my days and my weeks are working not for me, but for someone else. I'm not even working for me and my family for the first 50% or whatever it is. I'm working for, for the IRS. I'm working for Chase. Come on, somebody, Chase. Chase me, chasing me down. Chase me running after me. I'm working for a school loan that I didn't even get a degree from. Nelnet, ah, I hate Nelnet. And these emails and these bills, they just show up and they just keep coming. And I feel enslaved. I feel in bondage. I don't feel free. I feel like my creditors have something on me. I feel like they rule me. Anyone who's ever known that feeling, say amen. So this is a biblical truth about debt that we don't even really need the Bible to understand, but it's interesting that the Bible makes it clear. If you've ever felt enslaved to debt, thousands and thousands of years ago, it was made clear that this is how we would feel. So three biblical truths about debt. Number one, debt enslaves. Everyone turn to your neighbor and say, debt enslaves. And so I think Sophie, is Sophie over there? Sophie's over there. She's like a senior in high school. Jonathan up front, right? He's 12 years old. Man, can I just talk to you guys? Man, if I could just be 12 again, if I could just be 16, 17 again, I would just tell you, your debt will enslave you. Stay out of debt. When you're on the college campus, Sophie, and they're trying to sell you that credit card, don't sign up for it. 
I was at UC Berkeley. I was at UC Berkeley, and, and Capital One was there, and they had a table, and they sold me a credit card, and I said, and it was just a balance of 300 available balance, but I was like, oh my gosh, this is $300, $300 that I didn't work for, and I used it to buy Jordan clothing. <laughs> Let me tell you, folks, I've been me for a long time. I've been me for a long time. I went down to Telegraph Avenue, and I saw a nice Jordan Letterman jacket, and it cost more than I had, but I had credit. And so I said, swipe away, and that was the beginning of the end for me. And I think there would be many people in this room who could say, yeah, me too. I know how that feels. And so debt enslaves. Pretty simple principle from the Bible. How many of you are ready for principle number two? Say, I'm ready. Let's see. Where do we get principle number two from? Ecclesiastes, also found in the wisdom literature, written by King Solomon. Now, this is primarily about vows to God. I want to make sure you understand proper context. This isn't really a a book or even a Uh, a scripture that's talking about money directly, but I think it can be applied. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. And this is why I appreciate Spencer wearing that Russell Wilson jersey today. This is one of our pastors who loves the 49ers deeply. It's like Jesus and 49ers. (laughs) And he made a bet. He made a a vow to Owen something dumb. I don't know what it was. But he lost. And here he is today wearing that (laughs) jersey. You're wearing a Russell Wilson jersey. (laughs) Anyways, that's my buddy just giving him a hard time. But I so appreciate that, that he is paying what he vowed. And it, when it comes to our debts, ladies and gentlemen, especially if you're a Christian, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. Um, and if you're like, well, that's in the Old Testament. Okay, okay, let me just give you something in the New Testament really quickly on the next slide. Romans. Uh, this is, once again, it, it, this is speaking now, um, the context of this verse is submitting to authorities in Romans. And so Paul is writing a letter to the church at Rome, and he's helping them to understand what submission to authority should look like. And under this teaching, under this instruction on what the submission to authority should look like, he says this. Pay to all what is what? Owed to them. Taxes, to whom taxes are owed. Ladies and gentlemen, if we owe taxes, we need to pay our taxes. And let me just tell you, okay, you know, selfless transparency, truth-telling over image protecting. When you avoid this, okay, key alert, another pro tip, When you try to avoid taxes, when they come after you for them, it only gets worse. 
Yep, Gabby's with me. Gabby, thank you for just being with me today. Sounds like me and Gabby have made some similar mistakes in our lifetime. The rest of you just have it all together, whatever. Me and Gabby are rolling right now. But when you avoid your taxes, there's interest, meaning you owe more than you should have owed. Not only do you owe more, but these crazies find a way to get into your bank account. Come on, somebody. Come on. See, some of you, whatever, whatever, fine. I'll be the only one who shares how I opened my bank account one day and there was less money because theirs, you ever notice that the, I, the IRS is theirs? The IRS, theirs. Theirs came in and got it. They came in and got it. How many of y'all, man, that's the worst feeling in the world. Theirs, theirs came in and got it. Okay, so pay your taxes. Revenue, to whom revenue is owed. If someone has done work for you and you owe them money, pay them the money you owe them. This is why we're putting Brooke on the Be Generous. You're like, well, geez, I wish I could be on that list. (laughs) You know, kind of not. No, no, she's owed this revenue. She's worked hard above and beyond. She's worked 40 hours a week as if she was paying what a a 40-hour-a-week job should be paid. This is revenue to whom it's owed. This is honor to whom honor is owed. So revenue, respect, honor. I think this makes it very clear, point number two here, three ideas, three biblical truths about debt, that not only does debt enslave, but debt is to be paid. Debt is to be paid. Now, um, go back to one one slide. I just want to make this one point real quick. We're talking about money, but it's interesting here, under submitting to authorities, where you have respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed, And I just know, millennials in particular, yeah, excited, yeah. But we shouldn't be excited about how we have a rough time with respect and honor. I think if we're being honest in this internet age, in this social media age, it is so easy for us to disrespect and dishonor Not only people who are in authority, but just people in general. And I don't know, but I want the movement church to be a community of faith who has high respect and high honor for those who are in positions of authority. Not because they deserve it, but because it's what God requires of us. So many of us, they don't deserve my respect. They don't deserve honor. Okay, but do you deserve grace? (laughs) And so in light of God's love for us and how he calls us to live, I want us to be a community of faith who has respect and honor. So as we think about paying off our debts, do you have a debt of respect that you need to pay? Is there someone, if you're being honest, you search your heart the way you've acted on social media, the way you've acted in real life, the way you've acted behind closed doors, you have been disrespectful to whom someone respect is owed. You've been dishonoring to someone whom honor is owed. Gossip, slander, negative talk. 
Pay to all what is owed. Maybe there's a takeaway for some of you that you're going to have a conversation with someone this week. You're going to apologize. You're going to extend respect. You're going to extend honor. How many of you received that? Say amen. Amen. Now, uh, so debt is to be paid. Now, I want to give us something really helpful here. Uh, is the second idea. Debt is to be paid. I want to give us something helpful. This is a very powerful tool. As much as I joke around uh, about my debt, uh, this year in particular, I've got more serious about paying down uh, our debt than, than we ever have gotten serious before. And we're using something, many of you are familiar with this tool. This isn't a uniquely Christian tool. But I don't want to talk about debt without giving you something tangible as you think about paying down your debt so you're no longer enslaved. I want to watch this, this video here of a tool that could prayerfully help you and then we'll, we'll close the message. Um, so let's take a look at this now. What I'm going to show you is what finance legend and my good friend Dave Ramsey calls the debt snowball. This is the absolute best and fastest way to get unstrapped and to free yourself from the bondage of debt. What I'm about to cover with you is one of the most important things that you can ever learn about your personal finances. Are you ready? Let's do it. Look at the bottom of your notes and let's attack this together. Here's what we've got. This is an imaginary list of our debts, what we owe to others. In this sample list, you'll see the different people or businesses we owe listed in the first column. In the second column, you'll find the amount that's owed to each one. You see, we owe $450 to Lowe's for the power tools that we always wanted, $650 to Target for the cute top, the belt, the earrings, and the hat to match, plus the ketchup Oreos and pickles and all the other things you crave when you were pregnant. We also owe $1,600 to our parents who let us borrow the money to replace our air conditioning unit when it went down and so on. In the third column, you'll see the minimum payment. This is the minimum amount that we're required to pay each month and we've been faithfully paying the minimum, but we are sick and tired of being strapped. So what are we going to do? Again, what we're gonna look at is something that could change your life forever. Here's what's going to happen. You're gonna find an extra $200 a month. Now, you're probably thinking, where in the world am I gonna find an extra $200 a month? And that's a good question. I don't know the answer to the question, but you will find it. You'll get very, very creative and find $200 extra a month. If you have to take a second job delivering pizzas, or if you have to eliminate your satellite television, or your mobile data plan, or start brown bagging it, or skipping your $4 daily dose of overpriced caffeine, or whatever, you'll find $200 a month. And what you do with this $200 a month will change future generations. Here's how it'll play out. Let's start with Lowe's. We owe them $450. Your minimum payment, remember, is $50. Now, you'll pay them $50 and add to it the $200 that we just found, totaling $250 a month. And within a matter of only a couple of months, Lowe's is gone. Bye-bye, Lowe's. We'll never have to worry about that debt again.
Now, we're gonna let the money start to snowball away the debt. How will we do it? Now we're going to attack Target. We've already been paying Target $30 a month. Now we're gonna take the $30 and add to it $250 a month. Now you may ask, where'd we get $250 a month? You remember, we just freed up $250 a month because we paid off Lowe's. Now we're gonna take that $250 and the $30, and together we have $280, and guess what? In just a matter of a couple of months, Target is gone as well, and the snowball is starting to get bigger. Now, let's take our parents. We're paying them $200 a month. We'll add to it the $280 that we freed up because we no longer have to pay Lowe's or Target, and now we've got $480 a month going to pay off mom and dad. Again, in a matter of a few short months, mom and dad are paid for, they're happy, we're happy, and we're gonna take this money and let it grow every single month and apply it to the next debt that we owe. Starting with the smallest amount of debt so we can knock it out and going piece by piece down to the largest, we're gonna pay off all of our debt with the debt snowball. We're gonna wipe out everything we owe but the house. Now, how will this benefit you in the long run? Let me show you something that is really, really amazing. If you just continue to pay minimum payments, like so many people do. If you're taking notes, write this down. It's going to take you 120 months to pay off your debt. That's 10 years before you pay off all this debt, and that's assuming you don't take on any more. Now, watch this. If you do the debt snowball, your payoff time is not 120 months, not 10 years, but instead only 21 months. That's a difference of 99 months of not paying any debt. Can you say, wow? Now, buckle your seatbelt and get ready for this. If you take $1,110, now, where do we get $1,110? If you look at the debt we just paid off, you freed up $1,110 a month in debt payments that you no longer have. If you take that money and invest it at 8% for that same 99 months that you would have been paying off your debt, at the end of that time period, guess how much money you'll have? You'll have $153,992.30. Check it out. In most parts of the world, what did that buy you? That will buy you a house paid for in cash, totally debt free, including a house in only 10 years. You can do it if you'll get crazy with the debt snowball. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continual debt to love. We don't serve money, we serve God. Money serves us as we serve God. If you live like no one else, one day you can live like no one else. He said you could buy a house for $153,000, throw you off from the truth of the rest of this thing. 
Uh, we know here that that's not possible. He's from like Edmond, Oklahoma, and so you could get pretty close out there. Uh, but that is a tool, a very practical tool that Rebecca and I are using to pay down our debt, and we just want to invite you into that. If you want to have more conversations about that, if some of you are sitting here and are like, man, I need to get serious. I didn't think I kind of understood it, but I don't really think I did. Um, definitely reach out and we could work through this together um, so you could get to a better place. So debt and slay. Was that helpful for anyone by round of applause? Was that helpful? Okay. So the key is to like use it. The key is to do it and to get some people around you to get accountable. Now, there's one more truth. Now, in many ways, we could have stopped here because these are the two big ideas, the two major ideas in the scripture as it relates to debt. But there's one more. But there's one more that if you, you read the scriptures, this is going to come to the surface, and um, I think it connects really beautifully with uh, the gospel that I'm going to close with. So in that passage in Deuteronomy where it talks about the nation of Israel not being a lender or being a lender and not someone who borrows, uh, remember, we're talking about the nation of Israel and this prescription for how they should live. And there was this prescription called the year of Jubilee, the year of Jubilee. And let me show you what Deuteronomy has to say about the year of Jubilee. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release. This is a prescription to the nation of Israel and how they should operate. That, ne that doesn't necessarily mean that's law for us, okay? But let's see. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release, and this is the manner of the release. Every creditor shall release what he has lent to his neighbor. Every creditor, and all of the, all the borrowers in the room are like, man, that's awesome. Every creditor shall release what he has lent to his neighbor. Interesting. Why would God call his people that he formed so that Jesus would come through the nation of Israel, why would he set up a society in which every seven years, creditors would release the debts of those who they have lent to. Uh, we're going to talk about that in just a second. Many of you, you're pretty bright. You could kind of see where this is going. But let me give you the third biblical truth real quickly. It seems like not only does debt enslave, not only is debt to be paid, but there is a category of thinking where debt owed to you can be canceled. Debt owed to you can be canceled. We only really see this for the most part uh, in this passage in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy. But there are many parables in the New Testament that Jesus talks about. And he talks about masters canceling debt. Now I want to close with this question. Here's a review one more time. Debt and slaves, debt is to be paid, debt owed to you can be canceled. That's what the Bible really has to say about debt. But the question I want to close with is this. Why would anybody do that? Okay, I get that debt can be enslaving. I feel that. 
I get that debt needs to be paid off. Yes is yes, no is no. But why would I even apply any of that biblical truth, that old nation of Israel idea of being someone who forgives the debt after seven years, why would I even mess with that concept? Why would I even consider, and maybe some of you, you have people who owe you money. And why should you even consider the idea of forgiving debt? And here's the takeaway for today. I want to answer this. And Debt being canceled is the essence of the good news that Christianity proclaims. Up until this point, there's been nothing about this message that has been uniquely Christian. Debt enslaves, debt is to be paid, debt can be canceled. You could have learned that anywhere. But where this message becomes uniquely Christian is when we understand that the debt that we experience here in this life, though it is real, what it can be more properly leveraged for is a metaphor for the spiritual sin debt that we have towards God. And the beauty of the good news of Jesus Christ is that our spiritual debt of sin to God has been canceled through the person of Jesus Christ. So when we would even think about considering canceling someone's debt, in doing so, we are giving them insight into what God has done for us through Jesus. Might that be reason to cancel someone's debt? Someone say amen. Now, I'm not telling you to go cancel everyone who owes you money their debt today. I'm not saying that. But I want to open up our minds to a category of thinking and a possible action step that reflects the gospel of Jesus Christ really poignantly. Are you with me? So this idea of canceling debt, though, it doesn't just uh, point to how God canceled his debt for us through Jesus. It actually does something deeper than that. And this deeper lesson could be found in this parable and this interaction that Jesus has. It's actually speaking of our discipleship meeting after church. And I hope all of you come. I'm serious about that. The first story, I believe it's the first or second story that we read in our one-on-one -on -one uh, one -on -one discipleship relationships is this story here found in the book of, oh, well, first of all, couple mistakes here. One, this isn't Deuteronomy. I believe this verse is in Colossians, speaking of the debt being canceled. I'll read this real quick. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses. Let's read this together. By what? Canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. That's not in Deuteronomy. Due to whatever, that's not in that book. That is in Colossians, I believe. And it's just a verse that shows this is what Jesus did. He canceled our debt. Now let's look at the parable real quick. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. Pharisees, these were the teachers of the, the religious leaders in that day. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city. How many of you can interpret what a woman of the city is, Okay. A woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, some perfume, a big jar of perfume. Okay, let's move it on. 
And standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Now, that's just disgusting to me. Let me just say that. Sometimes we read this and it's like, oh, that's so beautiful. No, it's not. They didn't have, like, shoes back then. Maybe they had some sandals. And even if they did, the feet were dirty. Yet, she began to wet his feet with her tears and then wiped them with the hair of her head. Ladies, just picture that for a second. You, even with your husband, come on, taking your hair, and after your husband has been walking outside in the dirt, taking your hair and cleaning your husband's feet with that hair. Honey, why don't you do that for me? Why don't you do that for me? Okay? Oh, come on, somebody, and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. I think we read this, but we read it through it too fast. This is pretty extreme. This is pretty extreme. Let's move on. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, if he really was who everyone say he is, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. He's a hater. He's a hater. Let's move on. And Jesus answering said to him, I love this, Simon, I have something to say to you. That's the, the parent's version of kid, we've got to talk, right? Come over here. We, we, or that's the wife's version of, Ed, I need to talk to you about something serious. <laughs> we've all had that talk before. Okay. I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. Let's see what Jesus says. A certain money lender had two debtors, two people who owed him money. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, let's read it together, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Who's going to love the money lender more? The one who was forgiven of the $500 debt or the 50 denarii debt? Let's keep it moving. Simon's a smart guy. He said what? The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you're a genius, Simon. You have judged rightly. Moves on. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. He goes on to say, you gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Next slide. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. I believe the story closes in this way. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Here is the quick summary of this passage here. If you have little love, you have experienced little forgiveness. This woman had great love for God that she would go through the great lengths of washing his feet with her hair, giving the most expensive perfume that she had to wash his feet. Why? Because she knew that she was a woman of great sin. She knew she was a woman of 
the city. She knew that to be in the presence of God was only an act of grace. And so here's what I want to say about this. See, this idea of debt is so important to understand, not just because so we can get free financially, but because it has everything to do with how deeply we love God. Our understanding of debt, not just financial debt, but more importantly, spiritual debt, has everything to do with the depth of our love for God. How many of you are interested in a deeper love for your almighty God? I know I am. But for those of you who are here today and you might not have that deep of a love, you don't have much affection for God. When the songs are sung, it doesn't do anything for you. When you think about reading your Bible, it's just, that's cumbersome. When you think about coming to church, it seems like an obligation. And let's just say we've all been there before. But I want to make this statement here and may seem harsh. But your love for God is most likely shallow because you're unconvinced that your debt to God is infinite. If you have a shallow love for God in this place today... You are not convinced that you have an infinite debt of sin to God. You know why I love God? I don't love God because I'm a good guy. I don't love God because um, I grew up in a Christian home. I think I have a deep love for God because I am deeply aware of how sinful I am and who I have sinned against. I am deeply aware that lust, that cheating, that stealing, that lying, that pride is an offense to an almighty God. And I want to add this point on here if if this isn't resonating yet. Sin against an infinite holy God requires an infinite payment. Some of you don't love God deeply because you think you could actually pay him back for your sin. And so you go to church and you think you're actually paying God back. Or you give money in the offering and you actually think you're paying God back. And you're nice to your neighbor and you're actually thinking that's getting credited to you towards your debt against God. Well, let me just tell you, If that's the way you're thinking, you've got an eternity to go. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, friends, we don't have enough time to pay back an infinite debt to God. You can't do it. And until you embrace an infinite debt to God, your love for God is going to be shallow. But the moment it drops on your heart that there is nothing I could ever do to pay God back because he's holy. And there's one scripture that says, if I've sinned once, I've actually broken all of the laws. So let me just tell you, here's another thing. We are all equally indebted to God. I don't care if you've gone to Sunday school all your life. I don't care if you've never been in prison. 
I don't care if it's almost January 1st and you've been faithful to your Bible plan all year long. I'm a little jealous, but just hear me. Gotta keep us humble. I don't care if you've been faithful to your tithes and offerings, and it doesn't matter that I don't care. That does nothing towards an infinite debt towards an almighty God, holy God. But when it drops on our hearts once and for all that though I have that infinite debt, God gave me Jesus who lived the infinitely perfect life, 33 and a half years, infinite perfection, living the life that we should have to live. And so in living that life, he earned for us what we should have to earn. And not only did he earn for us what we should have to earn, on the cross, he paid for us what we should have to pay. For the wages of sin is death. What we deserve, what we have earned for our sin is eternal separation from God. But the gift of Jesus, but the gift, but, but the gift of eternal life, wait, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life to Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the gift. Through Jesus Christ, we get eternal life. This is the gospel. I butchered it, but the Holy Spirit of God will make it clear to you. Do you see how our love for God could exponentially increase if we see our sin towards God as infinitely, infinitely offensive? Infinitely offensive. We have no chance. And here's just to, to tie this up, I gotta finish, but can you imagine if someone came to you right now and said, your mortgage, it's paid for. Your credit cards, they're paid for. Your student loan debt, oh Jesus, that would be good, Lord, Lord, Jesus. It's paid for. But see, though we could see ourselves getting all emotional if that would happen, notice how maybe some of us, we don't even get as emotional about our infinite debt of sin towards God being really canceled. Our infinite debt of sin towards God has really been canceled through faith in Jesus Christ. This is why we sing. This is why we forgive others. This is why we give. Because an infinite debt of sin towards God has been paid by the infinite obedience and the infinite sacrifice of Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's three things to do and we're out of here. Number one, write a list of 25 to 50 of your sins. Oh, I don't got that much. See, that's your problem. That's your problem, that, that, that's sin number one, pride. You know why we don't have infinite love for God? Because you don't think you're that bad of a sinner. You are. We're ugly to each other. You're ugly to your spouse, you're ugly to your kids. You will experience grace from the Lord one moment and hate on another person in the next moment without even thinking about it. Some of you in this room, you've been lying, cheating, escaping, paying people, and God has still been generous to you. 
So I think what we need to do, not out of some sort of condemnation, but to be able to see ourselves with sober judgment, write out how much an offense we are to God. And then simultaneously you celebrate the fact that everything on that list and the ones you didn't write have been paid for through Jesus Christ. Number two, because you're going to be sad after you write that list, join us at the prayer gathering tomorrow to rejoice in our canceled debt. God has been doing something special in our prayer meeting, and I'm not just saying that because I'm the pastor and I'm trying to get more people to come. For those of you in this room, and don't fake it, if you've never been to a prayer meeting, don't, don't do nothing in this next moment. But if you've been to a prayer meeting and if you've experienced the presence of God, can I hear you give a round of applause, please? Yeah. These are people who've come to a prayer meeting on Monday night, 7 o'clock, child care provided, and we are experiencing the power of God in a sweet way. And we're going to start tomorrow by praising him for our canceled debt. You need to get in on that. Third and final thing, pray about giving to and or receiving from Be Generous. Just begin praying about it. God, how much would you have me to ask for? I'm in a tough situation. God, how much would you ask me to give? 5,000, 2,500, 1,000, 500, 100, 50, 20, $38.99, I don't know. What would God have you to give? Pray about that. Just a few moments here. Service is running a little over. I apologize. We're going to take communion. If you're not a believer in this room, please feel no obligation to come forward and take this. This juice represents the blood of Jesus, which canceled the debt for us, atoned for the debt. It paid the debt. The cracker is going to represent God's body that was broken for us. And so when we take it, we are remembering the day that Jesus paid our debt so that we could be free and we could have a relationship with God. And so we're going to sing a song about Jesus' love for us, him paying our debt. want to encourage you on this side to come around the back here and get the juice and the bread, and then this side come through the front. Let me pray for us, and, and we'll take communion. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we are thankful that you have canceled our debt through the person of Jesus Christ. And God, for those of us in the room, and we all have been in a place where we have taken our canceled debt for granted. God, would you help us this week as we reflect on our sin? Help us come up with that list. Give us a conviction to actually write that list out. And as we see how sinful we are and then we put it up against your grace through Jesus, God, would our awe of you increase? Would our love for you increase? Would we be compelled to love others with the love that you've so graciously and generously poured out on us? And as we take the communion elements, the cracker and the juice, God, we pray that, that we would see Jesus, that we would worship you now that we would end this service today worshiping you for how good you are to us. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.